Wow, it's such an honor to be here uh, at Kensington Temple. So much history uh, in this place. Uh, I mean, while when you drive a car, you don't look back in the mirror if you want to be moving forward. But every now and again, you glance in the mirror because it's necessary. <laughs> but uh, sometimes Christians just look at the past and just dwell in the past. Uh, I think sometimes God allows us to just celebrate what he's done in the past as a picture of greater things he wants to do in the future. So I'm here to announce to you, Kensington Church, Kensington Temple Church, that your best years are ahead of you. I know that could be a preacher declaration, everyone says amen. But if you think about this, this has been said um, oftentimes that you go to church on a Sunday morning, you find out how popular the church is, Sunday evening, how popular the pastor is, prayer meeting day, how popular God is. And to my recollection, I haven't been to many churches on a midweek day that's meant to be a prayer meeting, and lots of people gather for that meeting. So it seems like God is quite popular here. Because <laughs> there's a stirring going on. So it's, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you, Simon, and the leadership here for inviting me to be with you. Uh, as you heard, my name is James Aladron. I'm based in Manchester. Uh, I lead a ministry called Prayer Storm. I've been doing that for about 10 years now. Uh, and it's just been uh, a real surprise to me that God would uh, lead me into a prayer movement, a prayer ministry, because it wasn't really my plan, my agenda. Sometimes I say to the Lord, I, Lord, I feel like you tricked me, um, but in a good way. Uh, it wasn't my plan, but his plan is far better than any of my plans. And I would any day serve God. Like David said, I'll be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I'd rather be that than anything else. Just to be in the presence of God. And I've seen God do incredible things in my life uh, and in my journey with God. So um, it's an honor to be sharing this with you today. I'm going to be speaking in a few moments. My parents um, are missionaries. So um, I, um, uh, my dad is from Nigeria. Any Nigerians in the house? Great. My mom is from Ghana. Any Ghanaians in the house? Awesome. And I was born in Liberia. I'm assuming they're not like... <laughs> There's a Liberian in the house. Yay! Oftentimes when I say that, I don't see any Liberians anywhere. So it's great to meet you, fellow Liberian. So my dad is from Nigeria. My mom is from Ghana. I was born in Liberia. And my wife is from Stockport. There's no one from Stockport in this place today. I can't see that. <laughs> So, you know, I've married a few years, I've got a boy, a six-year-old, and I've got another baby on the way, and we're very excited about what God's been doing in our lives all these years. And because um, I, I can see there's a lot of Africans here, I just want to just give this backstory because I feel it's very important, especially in this place that has a lot of history of moves of God. Um, there's so much more God wants to do. Now, the next dimension of revival is hidden in the next dimension of prayer. The prayer that births revival is the prayer that sustains revival. Oftentimes, we contend for something, and then when it happens, our intensity or momentum and consistency shifts. Have you noticed we tend to pray more intensely when there's crisis? I mean, look at Brexit right now. Look at things going on. Every, oh, we're going to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. And we start to oftentimes get our information from earthly sources and BBC and Sky News and all the things going on around us. But I want to announce to you, heaven has headlines about the United Kingdom. Yeah. Have you bothered to check into heaven's headlines as opposed to just checking on BBC every day? Because I guarantee you, what heaven has to say is a lot different to what BBC and Sky News has to say. 
And as Christians, we need to be praying from heaven's perspective, not just from earth's dimension. So I'm going to be sharing some of that in a few moments. However, um, as we begin a journey uh, in prayer, we realize that uh, prayer is such a foundation uh, for what the Lord wants to release. And when God wants to move in a place, it starts to stir up a spirit of intercession, a spirit of prayer, a hunger begins to rise. People begin to want to seek God more. That is a sign that something is moving. The prayer meetings like the, the gauge is like the litmus test. It's what you used to see, where things are at spiritually in your life personally or in a church congregation. When the church is on fire, it's evident in the prayer meetings. When you're on fire for God, it's evident in your prayer life. In fact, you can't tell me you're on fire for God and have a non-existent prayer life. That's impossible because your passion and your hunger for God is manifested in your desire to seek Him. The problem is with the 21st century church is we often fall in love with meetings and events and conferences as opposed to falling in love with God. In fact, we fall in love with the move of God as opposed to the God of the move because two different things. You can fall in love with the activities of God, the hands of God, and on the face of God. But when you begin to seek God intensely, oftentimes it's a sign that something is stirring. I don't mean just seeking God because of a crisis, but seeking God for God's sake. Okay, not using God as a means to an end, but God being the end himself. Okay, you hear about Moses, you know, Moses and the nation of, uh, the, the children of Israel. The children of Israel wanted their freedom more than they wanted God. They used God to get their freedom. They used God to get their exodus. Whereas Moses used the exodus as a means to know God. Moses was familiar with the ways of God. They knew the acts of God, the hands of God. And we can easily celebrate the presence of God, the provision of God, the open doors of God, and all that stuff. But it takes another dimension uh, when we start to want to know God for himself. And that is at the foundation of moves of God. Are you hearing me? So when God begins to stir our hearts to seek him in a way that's not just crisis-driven intensity, seeking God because of a problem or crisis, we need a breakthrough here. When we start to seek God in that kind of intensity, I believe it's a sign that something is brewing in the spirit. God is stirring us and preparing us for a great move of his spirit. So when I come here and I see people gathering to pray, I'm very encouraged by that. However, there's something I want to point your attention to, especially the Africans in this room. Um, because I said my parents are missionaries, I come to this nation as a missionary. I come to this nation as one that's passionate about God moving in the United Kingdom because what God started in the United Kingdom in years ago when missionaries were sent out to the ends of the earth, God hasn't finished with that. And I want to announce to the United Kingdom, prophetically speaking, the Lord is not finished with this land. The Lord is not finished with England, Wales, Ireland, you know, Scotland. The Lord is not finished because there's still greater things that are yet to come out from these shores as it pertains to the impact of the gospel through these shores in the nations of the earth. This nation and the United Kingdom is called as an apostolic nation to be a leader nation in impacting the earth with the message of the gospel. And God is not finished with that yet because there's going to be another move of the Spirit like has never been seen before. Yeah, I believe that. In fact, that's really my assignment in this nation is to be one of the catalysts that's awakening the body of Christ to be a people of prayer, to prepare the way for what God wants to do. Now, the message I'm about to preach is about to get intense in a few moments, so just buckle your seatbelts in case it starts to get too intense. <laughs> um, uh, uh, just wanting to realize it's okay. Sometimes I, I, I just listen to what I feel the Lord is wanting me to release, and it can get quite intense, and sometimes people even get offended. But you've got to realize sometimes God offends your flesh to reveal your heart. Okay. 
So I just want to forewarn you. Conviction of God can often manifest in anger. You can get annoyed at the preacher. <laughs> or you can be like, oh, Lord, I need, to, I need to repent. I need to get my heart right with God. Different ways conviction can manifest. So my parents are missionaries, came to the UK. And when I came to the UK in 2001, there was this mission on my heart. I felt that the Lord was really stirring in my heart for another great move of his spirit across the nation and across the nations of the United Kingdom. I was in a meeting one day. Uh, and I was, I was speaking on revival, and a guy came to me, a Nigerian guy, he was visiting the UK, said to me, it's amazing what you were saying, because uh, he said his great-grandfather was in a move of God in Nigeria in 1929. Everyone say 1929. And in that move of God, uh, there were some missionaries that come from the UK that were a part of that move of God in Nigeria, uh, and were somehow instrumental in stewarding that move of God. And a prophetic word was released that just like those missionaries came from the UK and were a seed of revival in Nigeria and in West Africa, in years to come, God's going to send the seed of the land, i.e. West Africa, Nigeria, and people from Africa, to the United Kingdom to be a seed of revival in this, in this land. So when this guy was sharing this, I was feeling really stirred because I had no idea that even what I was doing with mobilizing prayer was the fulfillment of a prophetic word. I was living under the shadow of a prophecy, and I had no idea about it, that my life was being orchestrated by God. Now, it's not about me. I'm part of a bigger picture of what God's doing. But I'm saying all that to say the Africans and the Nigerians and the people that have been sent to this nation don't lose the assignment that God has put on you because you're here for a purpose. You're we're here for a reason. Now listen to what I'm about to say. How many of you know Mary Slessor? A missionary that left this shows, I believe she was from Scotland, and she gave her life for the gospel in Nigeria. She stopped the killing of twins. Some of you might know the story. And she is one of many missionaries that left this shows and went to Africa. Listen, when they got there, they learned the language. They ate the food and they died there. Some of them who left these shores took their coffins with them. Doesn't that tell you something about the passion in their heart? Listen, how can God forget that sacrifice? God has not forgotten, and he will not forget. In fact, that sacrifice and the sacrifices of your forefathers, English people, white people here, that left this shores, that sacrifice is still speaking right now in heaven, and that's why God is sending some of us back to this land, because he's not finished. It's like there's a covenant that's still speaking because of the sacrifice that was made from the gospel from these shores. So I'm here to announce this boldly. How can those missionaries leave these shores ready to die and I come here just wanting to live? How can the missionaries leave these shores ready to die for the gospel and Africans, you come here just wanting pounds sterling and wanting to be comfortable and just live? Listen, comfortable people don't change history. And have you noticed the whole Western culture, it comes into our spirituality and its goal is to make you comfortable and once you become comfortable you start to go down the slope of spiritual dullness you, start to become dull disconnected from spiritual realities and ineffective in achieving anything for God the people that God has used in history and in the scriptures have not been people that were comfortable okay John the Baptist listen John the Baptist was not a comfortable guy John the Baptist was not a balanced guy Eating locust, wild honey, fasting often, living in the desert, praying and fasting. And, just, just, and when Jesus came on the earth, he didn't go and find the balanced guy to identify with. 
He went to find the guy that was living in discomfort and living in a place of radical abandonment to God. You just sang it. All I want is for you to be glorified. Yeah? Listen, many of us in church sing lies. What do you mean you want him to be glorified? And then he tells you he wants this from you. He wants, some, he wants you to give your car. He wants you to give your house. He wants you, and you're like, oh, well, God, maybe not that. Lord, I give you, I give you everything. God's like, do you really mean that? Okay, when I, I'm going to ask for this now. You're like, oh, Lord, I give you everything, but not that. So words are very easy to release. But God is not just after words. He's after a lifestyle. And that is going to cost you something. Okay, so God is wanting a lot of us, and this first part of this message is mostly for the Africans here, to realize that you're here on a divine assignment to be part of the catalyst to spark a move of God in these shores. Don't sacrifice your assignment on the altar of pound sterling and a nice job. And just comfort. Realize that this life we're living right now, it's a dress rehearsal for an eternal life. This life we're living right now is like an internship for the next life. So everything we do right now counts in eternity. The bigger portion of your life you've not yet lived. You might be 80, 70, 60. Listen, the bigger portion of your life is eternal. <laughs> this is just the internship. So you better do this well. And many people are investing their time in this internship of a lifestyle in things that are so temporary and fade away. So I really do believe that this is the time where God is wanting to call people to their assignment as being one of the key voices and stirring and preparing the way for a move of God. When Jesus came, he identified with a guy that was not in a comfortable lifestyle. And that was the lifestyle that was necessary to prepare the way for the next move of God. John was called to prepare the way for revival. Revival is God's arrival. Jesus showed up, and that was a move of God. We want to see a whole new level of showing up of Jesus in our culture, in London, in the United Kingdom. Then some people need to prepare the way. And you're going to prepare the way with a lifestyle that's abandoned and fasting and praying, seeking the Lord. That is how the Lord's going to move. Now, do you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 91? I'm going to read a few verses. As we become the kind of people that God's calling us to be, in preparing the way of the Lord... There are a couple things that I think are very important, maybe more than two things, but um, I'll start with one of these two things, and uh, it's, it's intimacy with God. Oftentimes, I meet people who say things like, I've been contending for a move of God in the United Kingdom. I've been praying for a move of God in my family. I've been, I've been praying for my loved ones to get saved, and, but I've been contending for years. And sometimes you can hear in their tone of voice and the way they speak that they're now discouraged and they've stepped into unbelief and they've stepped into all kinds of discouragement and darkness. So they're not able to continue in the pursuit of God. And one thing I've noticed, I haven't lived here for so long, is I feel like in this culture, there is a spirit of unbelief there's a spirit of just, uh, it's just there to just uh, drown out and stifle any bit of fire and faith you have in you. And if you're not consciously standing against it, you're subconsciously influenced by it. It's just there. It's, it's like the spirit of the age. And it's, it's like trying to swim upstream. You know, um, if you're trying to swim upstream and you do nothing, by default, you get swept downstream. If you're trying to swim upstream and the force you're applying upstream is that is equal to that which is coming against you, what happens? You remain in the same position. 
If you're going to make any progress, you have to apply a force that's greater than that which is coming against you. That's the picture of Matthew 11. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's talking about spiritual violence, a violent in your pursuit of knowing God, in your desire to go deeper in Him, in your desire to seek Him, in your desire to keep your heart on fire for Him. That is a radical pursuit. That takes some effort. It doesn't just happen by default. By default, if you just come to church, come to uh, midweek service, by default, in this culture, you backslide. By default, you backslide. <laughs> if you want to make any spiritual progress, you have to apply a force that's greater than that which is coming against you. And that is a hard decision to go deep in God. So these verses we're about to read, they highlight one of the key elements in sustaining a life of passion in prayer. Because when we're, when we're talking about a move of God in London, we're talking about a move of God in the United Kingdom, I don't know when God is going to release the breakout of His presence like we're crying out for, like we've never seen before. However... It doesn't matter to me how long that takes. I am called to fulfill my assignment in preparing the way for that move. If it takes five years or 10 years, and if it even doesn't happen in my lifetime, I want to go to my grave in faith and not in unbelief. So if that's going to be the case, then there's some things I need to adopt in the way I pursue God that has to help me to uh, see my pursuit as one that's uh, a long-haul pursuit. It's not just a 100-meter sprint. It's a marathon. So we're not running this race like, okay, it's just a 100-meter For example, it's easier to catch fire than it is to maintain fire. So I am not just after a short burst of excitement, and yeah, I'm going to pray for a move of God in London for a month or two or three months, and then if I'm not seeing the breakthrough like I want to, I get discouraged and let go. I believe there is a certain mindset, there's a certain disposition that the Lord wants us to have in our pursuit of Him that enables us to be sustained in passion and in hunger and in prayer for decades. Whether the breakthrough is manifesting right there or not, the passion is still increasing for decades. How can you still keep your passion for God in a place of prayer when you're contending for things you haven't seen manifested and it's five years and it's ten years, but you're still able to keep going? I believe what I'm about to share with you right now is at the foundation of sustaining passion for God in a place of prayer. Listen, many of you know these verses. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. He who dwells in the secret place. Listen, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say, He who visits the secret place of the Most High. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So that is a lifestyle. You're, you're, not, you're not called to visit the secret place. You're called to dwell in the secret place. And the secret place is not your secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place is not your, it's His secret place. So when you dwell in that secret place, it's actually... A picture of what uh, Ephesians talks, uh, what Paul talks about in Ephesians, that we're seated in heavenly places far above. Everyone say far above. He didn't say we're above. He said far above. In other words, the enemy and all the kingdom of darkness is 
far under our feet. Anything under your feet has no business dominating your head. If it's dominating your head, it means you're not living from heaven down. You're living from earth up. And you're probably been visiting the secret place as opposed to living from the secret place. Because if you're dwelling in the secret place, it's not just a theological idea, it becomes a reality. See, we in the church oftentimes have heads full of theology and our hearts lacking experience and reality. Big heads and small hearts. The fact that you can quote the scripture does not mean you know it. The fact that you went to university and got a business degree does not mean you know business until you start your own business. In the West, we just, we just value so much accumulation of intellectual knowledge. There's nothing wrong with that to a degree, but information has to lead to revelation. It has to lead to transformation, and that comes from the place of impartation. If you're not actually allowing the Word to become real, you're just filling your head with all this stuff, it's not going to change you. You don't, you don't get changed into His image by just getting a lot of uh, uh, theological knowledge about Him. How you get changed into his image is by beholding. That is an encounter. Many Christians are not having encounters because we are visiting. Every now and again, maybe it's a church service, we visit. We, 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 we go into a church service, we have a nice time of worship, and we experience God in that place. But for the rest of the week, there's nothing of that depth going on. The deepest part of your walk with God in prayer life should not be in this meeting. In fact, you don't come to church to get a word from God. You come to church to get a confirmation of the word you were getting when you were at home. The reason why oftentimes the corporate prayer meeting in the church is often struggling and not where it needs to be is because the private prayer place is non-existent. Or it is dead, dull, boring. And you know why it's boring? I like to put it this way. God created you. Created your eyeballs. Do you know how complicated the eye is? (laughs) The organs in the body are incredibly complicated in, in terms of the detail. But he didn't just create one of you, billions of us on the planet. And right now, God knows everything, what every single person is thinking right now. God knows past, present, future. That, that is pretty mind-boggling. How can the God that did all that and doing all that right now be boring? So next time you're finding prayer boring, realize this. God is not boring. You are boring. You are the one that is in the way. Your flesh is your your flesh is probably your number one problem in the place of deep encounter with God. Your flesh always wants to get in the way. You want to pray, but your mind is thinking about food in the fridge, thinking about the next program you want to watch, thinking about all your mind is everywhere. That's part of the manifestations of your flesh. It is blocking you from encountering God. You don't encounter God by just getting a lot of ideas. You encounter God by actually opening up your heart and spending time with Him. You're not going to know God at a Christian conference. Go to the greatest Christian event on the planet. You will never know God in that meeting. Because if you're going to know God, it's spelled T-I-M-E. It takes time to know God. But we're in a microwave generation when everything's so quick. So you wake up in the morning like, okay, God, I'm going to have my quiet time right now. You start to pray. Maybe you read a few scriptures. Lord, I thank you for As you're praying, even though your mouth is moving, your mind is everywhere else. 
30 minutes goes by, 45, and your mind is still everywhere else. You're still in the outer court. You're still in the, you're in the outer court. They're asking, you've not even stepped anywhere close into encounter. And then after your mind has wandered everywhere, you're like, in Jesus' name I pray, and you're out. You've not actually broken through. Now, you've, you've gone through a motion, but you haven't broken through. And there are times those things happen. It's just good that you're aware of what's going on. You have to be aware that you haven't broken through the resistance of the flesh. And it's not often demons. It's your flesh. It's your desires. Was it not John Piper that says, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Most of us are, most, are more satisfied in being in a Christian meeting like this than we are being alone with him. Because what would happen if we start judging how amazing a Christian event is, not by the presence of God we feel in the meeting, but by the desire for God we encounter and we feel when the meeting is over. Because oftentimes after the meeting, we just get on with the rest of our lives. Downton Abbey, movies, friends, hanging. Now, nothing wrong with some of those things. Some of those things are not good, but nothing wrong with entertainment necessarily. However, oftentimes these things are feeding your flesh. So your flesh is more alive than your spirit. And you know what happens? When your body, when your flesh and your spirit end up in a fight, temptation, the one that you've been feeding the most is the one that's going to win. Because what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And most people are feeding the flesh all the time. So the spiritual realities are so distant that when it's time to press through into spiritual things for, for encountering God, you're just dealing with all this fleshly stuff. And it's so difficult to push through that you're like, well, I guess prayer is not for me. It's boring. Prayer is for the old intercessor at the back of the church. I'm just going to send her all my prayer requests and she can do my prayer for me. Listen, you cannot outsource your prayer life. Oh, the lady, oh, she's a good prayer. Oh, can you pray for me? I've got an exam. Can you pray for me? I've got an interview. Can you, there's nothing wrong with asking people to pray for you, but there are things that God's expecting you to do yourself. As you begin to grow in him, it's like a baby. There are things you start to begin to, I've got a six-year-old. He can feed himself. Some Christians have been Christians for six years, seven years, and they're still wanting people to feed them. And so they say things like, oh, I went to church and I'm not being fed. What do you mean you're not being fed? Have you lost your Bible? <laughs> what do you mean you're not being fed? Have you, have you lost your worship and prayer life? Because you've been a Christian for six years and you ex expect someone to come and feed you, spoon feed you again. You can feed yourself. You have to know the pathway to his presence on your own. And many Christians don't know how to break through on their own into encounter with his presence. So oftentimes it's difficult for us as a company in this, to go to new dimensions in intercession because on the private level, not much is happening. So how, how can we be an army if you're not a soldier? If you don't know how to break through personally and seek God and dwell in that place, how can we as a corporate body be effective in the place of ushering in the next move of God? At the foundation of contending prayer and intercession is this reality I'm sharing with you. Intimacy with God. Nothing else is going to replace that. You can't ask the pastor to lay hands on you and transfer his intimacy with God to you. It doesn't work that way. Oh, I want a double portion of the anointing. It just, it doesn't, you can't do that. You have to find your own history. In fact, you have to build your own history with God. And that's going to take time. 
But you have to make up with my Lord, I just want to know you. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Remember I said this, it's not your secret place, it's his secret place. But when you begin to seek God and you, you know, like he says in Matthew 6, go into your room and shut the door because that becomes, that's your secret place, okay? And as you begin to have your secret place, your time with encountering God, something happens in the realm of the spirit where your secret place collides with his secret place. And sometimes you can be in a prayer meeting, and I've experienced this where you're in the meeting with human beings, but you are aware that the meeting is beyond that room, and you're now in the boardroom of heaven. So there is a place where your secret place becomes his dwelling place. Why do you think he's knocking on the door in Revelations? That scripture is known by unbelievers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears me? He's talking to believers. Why is he knocking on the door? Because he doesn't have the key to the door. You are the one on the other side that has to let him in. So there is an effort on your side for the dwelling and the reality of encounter to take place. He has his part and you have your part. Oftentimes, like, oh, well, Lord, I'm just going to rest in everything you've done. That is true. But there is actually an, a, a response you have. Okay, let me give an example. We sing this all the time. Lord, I want more of you. I want more of you, God. I want no, pl- I mean, knows that song? Okay. You sang it in church last week. I want more of you, God. After church, you went home. You spent lots of time on TV, watched lots of movies, went out with your friends, went to Nando's, had all the nice fun time, and then uh, you were busy with lots of work during the week. Next Sunday, the service starts with the same song, and you sing, I want more of you, God. Okay, same thing happens after the service. You go home, you're busy, you get distracted. Oh, you need to sort this out, sort that out. Next Sunday comes, I want more of you, God. Can you see how... Silly, that looks from heaven's perspective. You're, you're saying you want more. He's like, I want more of you. You're saying, I want more of you. He's saying, I want more of you. Because even if you were to release the more, there is no space in your life for that more to fit into. Because your life is preoccupied with so much stuff. So your response is creating space. You don't manufacture the encounter. You just position yourself for the encounter. Salvation is free, but if you want to go deep in God, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you saying no to certain things because you're creating space. You're not earning the encounter. You're saying, Lord, here I am creating space for you. And that's the place God is calling you to live from. Do you know why it's called the secret place? Because it's not easily accessible. You don't find gold lying on the streets everywhere. Because it's of great value, you have to dig deep to find it. Doesn't the Bible say out of your belly? You see, sometimes we think about revival and moves of God just being in a place, like there's a well here. And I think I understand that concept, but primarily and biblically speaking, as I see it, the well is not just out there, it's actually in here. And you have to dig. And when you're trying to dig to hit water, naturally speaking, you have to get rid of a lot of dirt. The digging process is getting rid of a lot of the flesh. Getting rid of the distractions. Getting rid of the things that are in the way. So that what God has truly placed in you can flow. That process is not often easy on the flesh. 
That is why it can be a difficult process. And oftentimes, many Christians shy away from the process. We just want the end result of breakthrough, but we don't want to let God take us through the process. And this is how I've experienced God in my life. The moment you start to seek God in a certain way and cry for God, even when you're saying, Lord, I want you to move in London, I want you to move in this church, I want, you know what God starts to do? He starts to point the finger at you. <laughs> okay, well, you need to sort out that jealousy then. <laughs> Well, you need to sort out that envy then. Well, you need to sort out your misplaced priorities. Well, you need to sort out your identity. And the Lord is like pointing out, you saying, well, your identity at the moment is in your job. Your identity at the moment is in your success. Even though you call yourself a man of God or woman of God and you're serving in church, your identity is in your work for me, not in being my son and my daughter. Are you hearing me? <laughs> I've done ministry long enough to know that you can fall in love with ministry and working for God, as opposed to falling in love with God himself. Very possible and very easily done. However, God is calling us to dig past the flesh. And that process is not often easy. That process is, I think that's what John, that's what the, the, uh, Matthew refers to when he talks about the kingdom is suffering violence. It's a violent process to say no to the flesh. It's a violent process. And God is wanting us to arise as his people, to lay the groundwork, to lay the foundations for that which can host the weight of his glory. You know, we want to see God move, right? Do you realize God wants to move more than we are desiring for him to move? Oftentimes, the delay is not so much because he doesn't want to move. It's because we're not ready. And if we're to move at the degree we're crying out for, we will die. You don't believe me? Ask Ananias and Sapphira. They lied and they died. And that is not Old Testament. That's New Testament. There are many people lying today in the church and they're not dropping dead. Why? Because the degree of glory that they were experiencing in the early church is not the kind of glory we're walking in right now. You see, these lights shine on me. The brighter the light gets, the more you notice things you never noticed before. The more intense the glory, the instant the judgment. So God in his mercy sometimes holds back dimensions of his presence because we're not ready for the thing we're crying for. The same mouth you're using to say, I want more of you, was the same mouth you're using to criticize the pastor last week and speak behind his back. It was the same mouth we are using to be envious and release curses against someone. You may not call it curses, but you were saying things in your heart. Listen, your, the conversations of your heart and your mind is seen on loud, is heard on loudspeakers and seen on big screens in heaven. <laughs> so when you're like, God, I want more of you guys, like, you have no idea what you're praying for. If I were to come the way you want, it, it's going to slay you. Because the glory, Acts 5, Peter's shadow heals the sick, and all that came to the meeting were healed. Peter gets put in prison and beaten with rods, and then he says, the Bible says, they counted it a great honor to suffer shame for his name. That's another level, <laughs> okay? They were beaten with rods, and they weren't complaining, they were like, wow, praise you God that we got to actually suffer for you. That's, that's a different kind of mindset. And after that, you read about Ananias and Sapphira dying. In the church, we want the shadow to heal the sick. We want all to be healed, but we don't want the persecution that comes with it. And we don't often consider the judgment that comes in that glory. 
Because the same glory that healed all and the same glory that caused Peter's shadow to heal the sick was the same glory that caused Ananias and Sapphira to die. And was the same glory that caused them to be beaten with rods. So when you say you want the glory, which glory are you after? <laughs> all of the above are just a part of the glory. Because the glory also comes with some things that challenge the flesh. So sometimes God is holding back because he's trying to prepare you, but you're not wanting to be prepared because you want a quick fix. You want a microwave move of God right now. God is like, you're not ready. So he's trying to take you through the process, and sometimes you can see that process manifesting in your personal prayer life with some of the challenges you're facing as opposed to running away from the place of prayer and going, God, you know what, this is hard. I can't be bothered. I'm just going to outsource my prayer life to the intercessor over there, and I'm just going to just get on with the rest of my life. How about, you say, Lord, deal with me. Lord, let this flesh that you're trying to highlight what's wrong with me, let it die at this altar because I've got to be the carrier of your glory. Whatever you want to do in me, that I can carry what you want to release in a generation. Father, here I am, do it. Whatever you need to kill in me, I am ready for it to die. See, those are some dangerous prayers to pray. Because when you pray it, guess what? It's going to start happening. And when it starts happening, it doesn't feel good. In fact, when it's happening, you've actually forgotten that you prayed it. And you're like, God, why me? God's like, why not you? <laughs> I thought you want me to use you. See, God loves you, but he doesn't trust you. Can he entrust the weightiness of what he wants to release to you, to your life, the way you are right now? Revival is when God finds a life he can amplify to the world. Can God amplify your life to the world right now? If every Christian was living as you're living, would there be revival in the United Kingdom right now? <laughs> Oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> and God is wanting us to shift our priorities in the secret place. I'll round up with this. The secret place is not our means to an end. We're not spending time praying so that we become anointed and so that the church is bigger and so that the business is more prosperous. Our destination, our dream should be the secret place. Oftentimes, what happens is the secret place becomes our assignment as opposed to our destination, our dream. And what should be our assignment becomes our dream. And what should be our dream becomes our assignment. Are you getting me? Let me give an example. I lead a ministry called Prayer Storm. And as amazing as Prayer Storm is, and I've seen God do some incredible things, trust me, incredible things. Prayer storm is not my dream. It is my assignment. But there is a danger for prayer storm to become my dream. And when that happens, my identity and, and sense of self-worth starts to come from what I am doing for God. As opposed to being with God. Are you hearing me? <laughs> so prayer storm is my assignment. My dream is to be with God and to live in the secret place and to live in the reality of walking close with God. In fact, my dream is to walk as close with God as is humanly impossible and still remain on the planet. Because Enoch, when he walked with God so closely, God said, you know what, you're, so, you're walking so closely with me, you might as well be up here with me. And God snatched him from there. Are you hearing me? So I want to walk as close with God as is humanly impossible. That is my dream. Everything I'm doing right here speaking on this platform is my assignment. So many Christians have their 
What's meant to be their dream, which is intimacy with God and dwelling in a secret place, that becomes their assignment. So now they are deriving their identity and their sense of self-worth from the size of their assignment. Okay, so prayer storm is big. I feel like, yeah, I'm doing good. And prayer storm is small and not going anywhere. Then I feel like I'm a failure. Are you hearing me? As opposed to just being faithful to the assignment. But actually going after the reality of the dream, which is deep, which is depth with God. So if I adopt that mindset, listen, no one can touch my dream. And it doesn't matter what happens on this platform. It doesn't want to happen in your business or what happens. No, that doesn't matter. But regardless of success or failure or disappointment or excitement, your life is not revolving around these external things. You're living your life from a deeper place of intimacy with God. Everything is coming out of there. As opposed to from the outside in, you're living from the inside out. As opposed to from the earth to heaven, you're living from heaven to earth. Are you hearing me here? The Bible says deep calls unto deep, right? If deep is calling unto deep, do you know what that also means? Shallow is calling unto shallow. And many Christians are not in the place of deep calling to deep. They're living from the place of shallow calling to shallow. And so they attract the very shallow that they already live in. Even in church, it's, they attract the same kind of people. It's the same shallow, like nothing, nothing of any depth in pursuit and desire for God. Birds of the same feathers flock together. They attract around them the shallow lifestyle they've already settled in. But I'm saying to you today, for longevity and for sustaining what God wants to do right here in this church, you all, myself included, need to step into a new dimension of prayer. Listen to what I said in the beginning. The next dimension of revival is hidden in the next dimension of prayer. And that prayer is a whole new depth of intimacy like we have never known before. However, getting there is not easy. Now, in a sense, it's easy that God has made the way, you know, the veil has been torn it's not easy because of all the stuff that we have got in the way in our own lives. Not because he hasn't made a way. It's because it takes sometimes the effort of getting rid of that stuff. The distractions. It takes a process. The times when I get on my own to pray, and in five minutes I feel like I've broken through and I'm engaging with the heart of God. Sometimes an hour, and I'm still dealing with the stuff. <laughs> Anyone knows what I'm talking about here? God is calling us to be people that push past that resistance. And the more, the more you get into the mindset of choosing to press past that resistance in your personal times with God, the easier it will be when you come together like this as a company of people to, to intercede effectively from the place of depth. And intimacy. And then it's not even about the volume of your prayers. It's not about, all. now I do believe in intense prayers like Elijah. However, it becomes about the authority that's behind the words. And the authority is coming as a secondary consequence of the proximity, which is a reflection of the intimacy. Are you hearing me today?